Sports talk with absolutely no sports talk. Welcome to the latest edition of the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like, just not sports. On today's show, we will talk to Olympic champion triathlete Gwen Jorgensen about her passion for exotic food and the time before a race where she almost ate sushi that was solely labeled with a question mark <laughs> and with <laughs> with Andre the Giant and WrestleMania grabbing all the headlines this week. We are going to treat your ears with the world's only fantasy draft of wrestlers pop cultural contributions. I'm your co-host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. And joining me on the line, let's start also in Chicago. He is a respected, feared, uh, 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 octagon-dominating PR professional who has long hmm. time with the University of Colorado, the Green Bay Packers, and many, many, many more mixed martial arts training classes than Gareth Hughes. He is Adam Willard. Adam, all-time favorite wrestler, go. Uh, it sounds cliche, but it has to be The Rock. I concur. It does sound cliche. <laughs> Sorry. It's The Rock. I stopped. <laughs> I watched wrestling until The Rock left the WWE, and uh, I tune in occasionally now, but that really ended my habitual wrestling watching. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, also with us, you know, it's very indicative. That's all I had to say about that. That, uh, Quite possibly a teaser to my future draft picks (laughs) forthcoming. Uh, But also with us in our Brooklyn Bureau, it is seven-time Emmy-winning sports producer Gareth Hughes. Gareth, do you have a famous wrestler? Is it Don DeLillo? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, he has a little-known first novel all about the world of professional wrestling. Most people don't know about that one. Um uh, you know, growing up, I loved Legion of Doom, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan could always make me laugh. I did like uh, I, mine would be the the Bushwhackers, the guys who licked each other's heads. I mean, if you're gonna do professional wrestling, like just go for it, you know, like just just go for it. I ch- I let me change mine. Mick Foley. No one could look what a less weirdo. like a wrestler, but be a better wrestler. Multiple times, I have tried to get Mick Foley onto this podcast to talk about his love of Tori Amos. It's my white whale. It's like, <laughs> if you could rank my all-time podcast guests, it's like Dana Barrows, who now with two email accounts has refused to re- email me back. And then there's Mick Foley, <laughs> Mick Foley, Tori Amos. There's Cedric Sabalos on his DJ career. I mean, I you know what, guys? I, I have a lot of white whales. I'm kind of like all the Free Willy ran- franchise, but we're just... We're going to let that go for right now. Um, <laughs> not with us tonight, uh, our producer, Joe Reed. Guys, I debated whether to bring this up, but I was looking online uh, at a friend, at a colleague and friend's uh, uh, Facebook page, saw some pictures of uh, Mr. Joe Reed in Chicago 
where Adam and I currently reside and take this podcast. Uh, huh. This past weekend, no no notifications to us, guys. I'm not I'm not going to exaggerate. I kind of did that like top of the shirt clutching motion <laughs> when you're like, oh my god, oh <laughs> Joe Joe Reed's in town. Joe Reed ghosted us. <laughs> <laughs> hey Joe, if you're listening, you've got Adam's cell phone. Like most of our listeners from uh, distractions, uh, feel free to <laughs> to reach out. Uh, okay. Yes, Joe. That is the only reason you have Adam's cell phone. So. <laughs> <laughs> Joe yeah. Reed, we we kid because we love. Episode Joe Reed, we kid because we love. We want you back. <laughs> okay. Now it's time to take the open of the show and make it wide open. And damn, guys, we are making it as wide open as can be. Right now, we're going to celebrate the world of wrestling in a way that I don't think other podcasts would. Uh, Wrestling is in the news. WrestleMania was last week. Ronda Rousey was uh, all over the news for her debut and her uh, joining joining the WWE. Uh, Andre the Giant, the documentary is is you know getting rave reviews, is all over the news. We wanted to celebrate wrestling in the just not sports way, which is treating wrestling like a sport and therefore not talking about said sport. So right now, we're going to do what I could only describe as one of the most hotly contested and debated segments in just not sports history, meaning what we have hotly contested and debated behind the scenes over text uh, you know, this week. <laughs> We're going to do a fantasy draft of the all-time best wrestler contributions to pop culture. This is their, their movies, their TV shows, their music, their anything beyond wrestling in the greater uh, zeitgeist is what we are drafting. And Adam, I want to start with you. How many text messages did it take before you understood what what I was proposing? (laughs) I never understood it over text. You had to call me and explain it to me because you (laughs) guys changed the rules so many times. I'm not sure I understand now, but we're going to do this anyways. All right, explain the rules, Brad. (laughs) Yeah, explain the rules. Okay. Okay, here we go. Draft commence. We're going to go in a snake draft. So, you know, descending order, Gareth, then me, then Adam, then Adam, then me, then Gareth. Here are the rules. Everybody you draft has to be a wrestler first. You can't take Donald Trump becoming president because he appeared in a WrestleMania or two. And you can't take Mr. T because he's not a wrestler first. It's got to be a guy or a woman who came up through... Uh, the ranks of wrestling. Second, we we debated hmm. this. You, the same wrestler cannot be drafted more than two times. We don't want every single Rock up or Hulk appearance to be filling out the ranks. So if if I draft Hulk in said movie and someone else drafts Hulk in said TV show, that's it for Hulk. That's the end of it. Third, and this is the final rule and perhaps the most important, this is like the Gremlins rule where you don't feed him after midnight. <laughs> Finally, you can draft a character in character, but you can't draft the, the movie or the thing multiple times. So if you draft The Rock 
in Fast and Furious, you're taking the franchise, not the performance. You, otherwise, <laughs> again, it's well, going to be a I lot of so. rock as sweaty dude fighting Dom in four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever they're on. Okay, those yeah. are the rules. No complaining, no fighting. Gareth, the clock is ticking. We're going to give five seconds per draw because <laughs> we're not wussies like the <laughs> NFL. Uh, go forth. All right, I hate to say it. It's a no-brainer, number one overall pick. He's been vetted. It's, it's I don't know. He's, he's the biggest prospect coming out of college, out of the U from Miami. It's Dwayne The Rock Johnson in the Fast franchise. I mean, you could not sound less excited about that. You just <laughs> it's, it's too like boring. Just, I got I've got a lot more exciting picks I want to make, but like you can't leave that one on the board because it's it's the it. dude. It's the stud quarterback. Like He's if my whole girly. team tanks, yeah, exactly, exactly. So hey, hey Gareth, I have a good safe pick in the bank. Hey Gareth, uh, congratulations! You just drafted Greg Odom over uh, Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brad. No, anything? No, no, no way. Anything where you draft the Rock, you're pretty safe. That's a pretty solid start. Adam's right. You sound you sound so unenthusiastic about that, and I love it because my enthusiasm is already on stage at the podium with the second pick in the WWE. Pop culture draft. Brad selects Rowdy Roddy Piper Fuck. in a no. lead, lead no. performance in They Live. The oh. only the, I almost made this my number one pick to prevent this from happening. <laughs> the only thing it's on so the list, on brand for me. The only thing no. on the list that is both critically acclaimed and universally endorsed by Gareth's favorite podcast the canon gareth i'm kevin durant enjoy odin's knees out <laughs> okay so it's Ke- it, it is rowdy rowdy piper in they live the john carpenter classic that has a serious staying power 40 years later in a view of a dystopian future the way we relate to government gave us the shep fairy andre the giant has a posse meme that has lasted for 40 years Brad, here's the only reason I didn't make that the number one overall pick. The worst part of that movie is Rowdy Roddy Piper's performance. That is the worst part of the movie. <laughs> well, yeah. So it could not be the number one overall pick. Doesn't the fact isn't the fact that it's such a poor performance make it a reach? You know what, Adam? I'm gonna say this. When you're in the division <laughs> against a key rival, <laughs> sometimes. You don't need you don't need that <laughs> wide fine. receiver. You need All right. you need Mario Williams knocking down Peyton Manning, and that we know that worked out. I for can't tell you how pissed I am. I can't tell you how pissed I am. All, All right. right, Adam, number right. Uh, number three, you're up. <laughs> number three and four, you control the board. Number three, Dave Batista as Dax the Destroyer in Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a great pick. It's great a pick. it's a Von great Miller pick. pick. It's a Von Miller-esque pick, man. It's great. It's just Here's <laughs> the thing about that is he's playing a well-established comic book movie character. He's not playing himself or a version of himself in the movie. He actually had to play a role. He did it in two movies and he stole every scene. Great pick. No complaints. Yeah. It's really solid. All right, you're up number 4. Number 4. The Rock as Elliot Wilhelm in the classic movie, Be Cool. 
opposite Vince Vaughn and John Travolta. I, I'll be honest. I hate this pick, man. That movie is not good. <laughs> I knew you would. I knew you would hate this pick. I it, I was already thinking, and I almost made the number one overall pick, The Rock in Moana, because as a father of oh. a daughter and a son, that is the best kids movie I've ever hey. seen. Full hey, like full making, stop. Can, can I finish? So. Rock plays a closeted hitman who has desires to be a singer. This is his most nuanced role. It is his version of Will Smith's Six Degrees of Separation. That's it. That's a really good analogy. I mean, it's a much better analogy than anything he did in that movie, but it's a really good analogy. I also... (laughs) I also think Adam, you left a lot. You left a ro- a lot of rock on the table. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm personally, I'm glad you didn't you didn't pick the rock in like Southland Tales. At the end of the day, this is how much can I irritate or offend you? Irritation done. I'll it's, offend you later. It's good, man. It's real good. Okay, but now you guys have dropped the board to a point where I'm, you know, my scouts. I've done a lot of really great work. I'm feeling I'm like Belichick. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I hate on the Saturday snake draft because I'm feeling I pretty hate good the about snake where we draft. Are. Um, with my second pick, and we're we're gonna do four rounds. Okay, is that right? Four rounds. Sure. sure. Yeah. With my with my second pick, I'm gonna go with Andre the Giant and the Princess Bride. Mm, okay. a, dude, you get Andre the Giant on your team. It's a great pick. It's you know what? Yeah. I just drafted Joe Solid. Thomas. I just drafted Joe Thomas, and uh, Rowdy Roddy is covered on the left side for 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You are building the foundation of your team. All right, Gareth, you're up. All right, so I have pick six, which is the last one in the second round, and then I will have the first pick of the third round. So for the last pick of the second round – I am also going with Dave Bautista playing the role of Sapper Morton in Blade Runner 2049. That movie was not great. It was long. It was very Uh long. But his performance in the opening scene of it was the single best acting performance in that entire movie. I'm not lying. I'm not even speaking hyperbole. I remember being in the theater thinking, holy shit, this movie is awesome which I didn't think it was by the end. And holy shit, this guy can act. And I was floored by his performance in that movie. So with the last pick of the second round, Dave Bautista is off the board completely, and he is on my squad. Amazing. There's been some shocking picks, but I kind of like the direction it's going. All right, Gareth, hit us up. You know, uh, First pick of the third round. First pick of the third round, we're going to go with Hollywood for Ugly People. That'd be politics. And it is Jesse oh, Ventura as the independent governor of the state of Minnesota. I think Predator is better. Yeah, I was going to say, like, okay. this is pop culture, not culture culture. Bro, he that was 
Did you see the way he governed? I'm going to argue this one is very admissible. <laughs> All right, here, I will give you this, Gareth. I'll give you this, because I was going to take Predator, Jesse the Body. I'm going to give you his governorship, but I'll also give you Predator. You can drive Predator. I want his name in the Hall of <laughs> Records as the governor of Minnesota. All the books that came out of it, all the crappy speeches. Do you actually think he did anything as governor? The entire thing was a promotional campaign to sell books and a line of Jesse Ventura crap. I would argue that that was as pop culture as it gets. I, Predator is still on the board. I don't want it. All right. You know what? Look, I got to give you credit. Like, it was iconic. It was the first and only time in American history that a professional celebrity got elected with a crazy campaign. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll leave a it A WWE Hall of Fame member for that point, from that. Yeah. All right. Now I'm in real trouble because I got a lot of really good stuff on my board. So, Adam, I'm going to offer you this. Do you want to trade? I'll trade your next two for this one if you got something really hot you want to get. No. No, sir. I've got plenty left. Guys, let's take a quick look here. We're at the second pick of the third round, okay? Hulk Hogan has not been taken at all. No. Dave Bautista is off the board entirely, Twice. and Rowdy Roddy Piper is, <laughs> is, is, is went in the first round. This draft is crazy. I don't think Todd McShay saw any of this coming. Dude, it's just like when the three of us first met all together. Uh, you know, the Bills reached for EJ Manuel, and they became, you know, everyone won. You know, I'm like, it worked out. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. All right. All right. So John this Cena's is, still available. This is really tough because I've got stuff I want to take more than this, but he's uh, this is Warren Sapp on the board late. The crowd is chanting. I'm going to take Hulk Hogan and Rocky three as Thunderlips. I'm sorry, Adam. Yes. It's it, no, it's amazing. It's there. I can't believe it was there in the third round. I, I, Me I, guys, I'm not going to lie. I was going to draft Hulk Hogan's sex tape for its, its influence on oligarchs taking over our free media, <laughs> but this is too good. <laughs> like the Rocky three one is too good. Guys, I have a story off air about that, but you'll later. <laughs> okay. Adam, Adam, uh, pick nine overall, uh, and it's the end of the third round. You've got two in a row. What do you want? My third round pick, I am selecting China for being a two-time adult video news winner. <laughs> for best for best-selling title of the year, One Night in China in 2006. And in 2007... Best Celebrity Sex Tape for Backdoor to China. China, interestingly enough, went on to teach English in Japan. And that's no joke. (laughs) I I am blown away that the third round could begin with the drafting of a wrestling Hall of Famer who's a politician and end with somebody who made sex tapes. That is just crazy stuff. Here's the thing about these two. She she performed in more adult films, but these two pics alone, these two videos that she was featured in, have been viewed more times combined than any of your other pics combined in cinema. I mean, Macho Man and Spider Man is still on the board, and like that was viewed a lot of times too, but probably not as much as what you just. What you just drafted, so kudos <laughs> to you, Adam. What's number 10? Uh, it's the start of the fourth round, the final round. 
You guys might reject this for being too broad. I'm going to go with Ric Flair for his overwhelming influence on hip hop as a genre. Can I do that? Great pick. Or does yeah, it have to it's be a great a pick. Specific reference. I mean, even today, guys who have never seen him wrestle are using his catchphrases in hip hop, in the locker room, and throughout uh, sports culture. So I, Ric Flair, I could have easily taken him in the first round, um, but because this was not as a, uh, not as specific a reference, I'm taking him now. What other besides woo? What else is there that I don't know? But I'm fine. I'm way open. Oh, to this. I'm what is there? The yeah. limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun. I like how I, I really like how the white guy's like. Let me interject real quick. <laughs> Tell me, please justify your hip hop opinion, person of color. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not but, saying justify. No, 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 I'm no, no, just, no, no, you know. no. No, that wasn't it. But honestly, Ric Flair was Jay-Z, Biggie, and uh, Sean Diddy Combs before that era of rap existed. The fur coats, the <laughs> women, the jets, the money, the alcohol. He defined 90s rap before 90s rap existed. All right. That is a great point. That is a, that's like a doctoral thesis <laughs> writ, waiting to be written. You know, it's, Gareth, it's not a doctoral thesis. That's a, that's a class at Harvard by now. Um, <laughs> right. Okay, my final pick in the WWE pop culture draft. This is tough because I've got two I'm really torn on. And the one that I brought up to Adam last night, I'm not going to draft. I'm going to leave him for the supplemental oh. picks. Uh, I'm going to go with... The better rated, you know, thing on my board, which is Sergeant Slaughter in GI Joe, because he was both oh, yes. cartoon. You get an character. animated version and the right, right. He was cartoon character and thing that you played with, and uh, yes, damn guys, I, you know what? I'm doing my closing interview with Andrea Kramer. I'm smiling in the hallways outside the war room and I'm going home and uh, I'm feeling good about my, my, my team. Gareth close out the draft. Please give us Mr. Wrestling pop culture. Irrelevant. <laughs> well, it's, it's perfect. You know, like the, every football team needs an identity, right? And so like we got the rock overall, you need some talent, but then like I build like the Patriots. I figure I got Tom Brady there and then you, you just surround him with like, good solid football players and you need an identity mine's you know like artsy quirky guy i'd love to have rowdy rowdy piper on my team i'll look to pick him up in a free agent draft later or maybe in free agency later but the guy that i'm going with to close it out to really bring this team together is kevin nash in the steven soderbergh directed magic mike franchise that's gonna be my guy to really run my team together so I got Blade Runner, the governor of Minnesota, and Magic Mike really tying things up. Hey, guys, uh, I just want to let you know that Adam Schefter just tweeted, <laughs> my team has signed a free agent contract with Macho Man Randy Savage for the Slim Jim commercials. <laughs> <laughs> 
Bro, Hulk Hogan went undrafted. No, no, I got undrafted. Hulk. In, I got Hulk's best Yo, performance in Rocky Three. Best performance. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. That was a great value pick, man. <laughs> oh, I got him in the third round, bro. That's that's a definition of value. All right. We will post these on our Twitter at Just Not Sports. You guys tell us. And our Instagram at Just Not Sports. Uh, shockingly, none of those were taken. Um, you you tell us, the listeners, the Sparkle Ponies, who won the WWE pop culture draft. But right now, we are going to switch gears to our interview with an Olympic champion, a world champion triathlete, Gwen Jorgensen. You know her as one of the greatest athletes on earth. And in fact, she has been veering toward marathon running and is going to be the best in that sport as well. I mean, you know you're great when you're like, I dominated one sport internationally Let's do it again. Me, I'm just like running that back for life. <laughs> like, I crushed it once. <laughs> I am out. Look, this draft, I'm going to talk about this draft until I'm 80. <laughs> but <laughs> Gwen is a, a true athlete at heart, but she's also a foodie at heart. So we sat down and talked about her love of cuisine. We talked about traveling the world on what she calls eatcations, where she is just going out there and trying to find as much great food as she can. We talk about the difference between conservative eating and exotic eating, a.k.a. Uh, uh, me being the conservative. We talk about loving sauces. Yeah, loving sauces. And we break down a lot of other nuances about regional cuisine, her favorite chefs, her favorite Food Network stars. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. And when we are back, we will distract you. Stick around. Whenever I, I whenever I meet someone who is a sort of a, 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 a lover of food, a, a self-described foodie, I am not an adventurous eater, but I'm jealous of those people who are, like my wife, <laughs> who has dr- tried really hard to draw that side out of me. So on a scale of 1 to 10, like, how would you rate how adventurous or exotic you're willing to go with, with food? Oh, 10, for sure. Like, oh. if, there's something, if there's something on the menu that I've never tried or never heard of, I'm definitely ordering that. Like, you and I, we probably would not get along well um, <laughs> going out to eat because I always want to go to the strangest place that has just the most e- unique foods. Now, how uh, before we get into, like, some of the craziest stuff you've tried, I, I guess off the top I would ask, uh, you know, having worked in sports for a long time, athletes are very regimented about what they will put in their body. And you yes. can get into – and I, I'm sure that you're – you know how strict you are changes whether you're you know you're training or you're in season during a certain aspect. But I, I, you know, have you ever had people try to dissuade you from being as adventurous as you as you want to be and say, hey, what are you, what are you doing? You can't you can't do this. Yeah, I you know I think I have um, pretty good standards. So before a race, like if I travel somewhere, I won't try anything new before a race. But you know, my post race meal, a lot of times people want like a hamburger and fries and a beer. And for me, it's, I want to know whatever's the strangest thing or what's local (laughs) to that town or, you know, what can't I get anywhere else? So, um, you know, definitely before a race, I'm very cautious and, you know, I do, um, 
I am careful as, as to what I put in my body, but I also really enjoy trying unique foods. And, you know, sometimes it's just different, different vegetable or fruit that I've never right. had before. I, I must say on Instagram or, or, or Twitter, one of the two, I saw a picture of you. You were, you were saying something like, um, it's a few days before race, so I'm not going to try this sushi that's labeled with a question mark. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that? What was the story there? Yeah, that's, um, I'm pretty sure that's when I was in racing in Yokohama and yeah, we went there and, you know, it was just a question mark on the menu. And I was like, I have no (laughs) idea what this is. I want to know so bad. I'm like, I'm just going to be though the good athlete and I'm going to be disciplined until (laughs) post-race. So what, give us a sense for what are the most exotic, uh, foods that you've had. And and as someone who, who travels a lot, I'm sure you've been to a lot of interesting locations. Do you have any specific places that really stand out as, as some of your favorites? Um, gosh, I feel like I'm not going to sound as adventurous as I am. I, you know, I spent a few months every year in Australia and I always enjoyed having kangaroo, but that for me is more like a staple. Like kangaroo seems like a steak to me. It just seems very normal (laughs) thing to have. Um, and then, you know, when I remember I was in Spain and there was a, a horse butcher and I told Patrick, he had to go to the horse butcher and get a horse. And I really wanted to try it. And I had high hopes, but, uh, I don't think I'll ever be trying that one again. That was probably one of my biggest letdowns of uh, strange foods I've tried. What, how, um, what was wrong with it? Was it just like just not a not a tender or not a tasty meat, or what was the problem? Yeah, yeah, it just had a weird taste to me. Um, it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was a gamey taste because I'm totally fine with having venison and um, gamey meats, but that meat just had a weird. It definitely didn't taste like chicken. You know how they always lump yeah. beef into tasting like it did not taste like that. It just did not. I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Was there is there anything that you've tried that you, you know, you thought you would hate, but you wound up really loving? Oh, that's a great question. I don't think so. Like I, I, I really always have high hopes. Like every time I try something different, you know, if it's like pig ears or whatever it is, like, I'm like, I'm going to love this. Um, I, I can't really think of anything that I've been disappointed with that I thought I would love besides that horse, honestly. <laughs> now, are you, are you, a, are you a sauce person or a, 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 a go light on the sauce person? I like sauce. Me Probably too, more man. than I than I should. <laughs> yeah, if you you could give me all the dipping sauces and I would be super happy just eating whatever whatever you put on the plate. And and, and my wife is like, You're a, like a, she's a purist, you know. She she she's like yep. this is the exact type of seasoning you need and this is this is where you're going over the line. I I've I've been around people who get mad if you use sauce cuz they feel like it's disrespectful to the chef and I'm like, "Come <laughs> on, it's sauce." Brad, you're you're starting to grow. Maybe we could go out to eat. We could have you know a lot of sauce with a side of French fries or something. Perfect. What's your what's your go to? Because I I feel I feel like some people are are they're barbecue sauce people or they're like mustards people um, or steak sauce. Like, do do you have a go to kind of segment of sauces you like? My my go to is definitely stone ground mustard, but mm. honestly, I prefer ketchup. I just know that it's not as healthy, so I really I go for that mustard. I really I really like vinegar too, though. So I think yeah. that's what kind of draws me to the the mustard. Yeah, you give me some thick fries or like a like a chili dog. I'll dip that in vinegar like all day. Is there a regional 
is there like a regional type of food that you you tend to favor in terms of American cuisine or something that you you just kind of think of? Hey, every time I'm in this part of the country, I have to go make my forty minute trek to you know place X. Yeah, um, you know when I go out to eat, I guess anywhere in the world, I just want to get something that we can't cook at home. So a lot of times that's ethnic foods, um, you know, maybe Ethiopian or. I'd say Thai. We don't have Thai a lot. You know, just something that we we don't cook at home is something that I really search out to get. I don't really want to go out to eat and just have pasta or rice or something that I have at home. So give us your, if you know, like when people ask me best restaurants, I usually tend to go as much toward the emotional connection I have toward the place as the food. Like like my wife and I got engaged in Iceland, and so we always talk about... Oh, there's this, you know, the the lobster house that you know, a fancy restaurant there. So, is there is there a place that you have like a really strong emotional connection to that that's both driven by the quality of the food, but also the just the place and time? Man, I feel like I sound like somebody that's cold hearted because I can't really think of one. Like I'm trying to think <laughs> of the place. Like Patrick and I went on our first date, and like I love that place, but I don't really feel t- like tied to it or anything like that. Um, not really. I you know I think as well though with restaurants, like I always try to go somewhere new. So I hardly ever go to the same place twice. Like it's very, very rare for me to do that. Mm. Now, is there, if, if, if people said to you, what are your, what are your top three restaurants or restaurant experiences you've ever had? Like, would you kind of be able to rattle them off or some of your favorites? Yes. Okay. Let's Um, do it. There. So there was one place we went to in Croatia. We were on vacation and we drove, it was, like an hour drive to this winery and it was a 10 course meal paired with wine. And, you know, I don't drink a ton, so maybe the wine skewed my vision (laughs) of how amazing the food was. But um, I just remember this one course where they did this with almost everyone, but it was, they brought out something that looked like an espresso cup and a cookie, but it was really a savory thing. So it was this like mushroom soup and like, savory biscuit and every dish was just incredible um and then another amazing place that sticks out in my head is i went to um alinea in chicago okay and it's uh just this restaurant where everything's unique like at one of the courses they brought out and it was a balloon like literally you held onto a string and there was helium in this balloon and you ate the entire thing you ate the balloon you (laughs) ate the string like just a cool experience. Um, and then, gosh, I, I feel like I'm naming really fancy places, but you know, sometimes just a really like here in Portland, uh, my favorite place I've been to that I was just wowed by was a food truck of barbecue. Um, gosh, I'm blanking on the name right now, Matt's barbecue. And it's just phenomenal, like meat. It, all it is is meat and beans and it comes with like the side is like a wonder bread, white bread, like just ridiculously, you know, low, like cheap, but so super good. Yeah. It's funny that it's sometimes it is those like just places on the side of the road that will, they'll grab you. Uh, yes. I mentioned Iceland, like that, that really fancy restaurant we went to was fine. But the next day my wife found this place on the water that, you know, dirty tables and yep, people kind of yep. come in and out, but she swore Hole it was the best the seafood ever. Right. I mean, yes. 
It, now, are you someone that when you find that type of place, do you keep it a little secret from the friends so that they don't just like make it too popular? Especially given <laughs> your you, you you have a lot of followers. You know, if you give someone a shout out, it's going to be tourist central. <laughs> I wish I uh, you're, you're giving me more hype than I actually am. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I definitely share it with others. Uh, food is something that is a passion of mine, but I get so excited about it that I want other people to know about it. So like if I have a phenomenal meal, the first thing I'm talking about the next day with my friends or on a run or whatever is that meal. And I try to convince them to go. And um, yeah, I always hope that they have the the same experience as I, I do. Have you ever had like a kitchen nightmare situation? Like we, we were on our honeymoon in Athens and I went down to use the bathroom and I found our cook like cooking shirtless over the stove like totally sweating like over our food <laughs> and i was like kelly we're, we're we're leaving so have you ever had not not to name the places but have you ever had like a yeah especially given how adventurous you are and willing to try off the beaten path places i yeah for some reason i don't get super upset about that like if i find a piece of hair in my food or something and just kind of like yep yeah, whatever that means the <laughs> chef was like really into it and you know, he was putting his hard sweat work and um it just for me, that kind of just brings a little more character, I guess. I don't know why it does that. That sort of thing doesn't really bother me. <laughs> do you, do you return dishes? Because I almost never return it, and my wife will absolutely return everything if she doesn't like it. Oh man, I I don't return dishes, but I like literally my day will be ruined if I get something and one, it's something like I either didn't order or um, like for instance, one time. I did a race in New York and I remember going to this restaurant and I had yelped everything I wanted. And I saw this place they had chicken and waffles and I had never ordered that. And I was like, I'm so excited to get there. I go there super long wait. We wait an hour. We finally sit down. I order what I want and it's taking forever for our food to come. And I'm starving because I had raced and I'm, remember seeing everyone else that came in after me getting their food and finally the waiter comes and he goes, sorry, our waffle machine was broke. Here's pancakes and chicken. And I, literally like almost started to cry and I was in I felt so bad for my husband Patrick because I was in a bad mood for like a week because of that and I was not happy until we went out to a different place to get chicken and waffles like it just (laughs) ruins my day now okay you mentioned your husband you guys seem to at least from what I can tell on social media you seem to be passionate about cooking at home yes so what what's the I guess what's the dynamic between the two of you when you when you're cooking together is is somebody oh kind that of doesn't driving? happen oh it's is it's all him cooking or all you cooking well Patrick Patrick gets really mad if I try to join him in the kitchen I think he he says he has like a rhythm and a way to do things so <laughs> you know he he also he also some I mean he does all the cooking and sometimes he's like it'd be really nice if you cook but when I cook I like to have help and like. But he won't allow that. So it's like one person or the other. He he doesn't really allow um, us to cook together, which is kind of sad because we both really love food and, and we enjoy cooking. But I think, you know, together he has a very specific way he thinks he should cook meat and vegetables. And I have a, a different uh, methodology. I think he's just more patient. So he thinks, you know, slow and low, which does make it taste better. But me, I just like crank up the heat if it's not going fast enough. Yeah, I used to cook grilled cheese just by putting it on high and flipping it over and over yep. and over before it burned. <laughs> and, you know, half the time I'd walk out of the room or check my phone and, and have burned it. So I, yes, I'm with you. You and I, me, that's the same. Yep. <laughs> now, so w- what kinds of foods do you try at home? Or are you less adventurous because you have to meet like more of your training regimens on a day-to-day basis? 
No, I definitely, um, you know, adventurous at home. Uh, a lot of times I love doing things where, you know, if you have like a local CSA or we go to the farmer's market and trying something new, Pat's not as adventurous as me cooking, I think, because he's normally the one baking it. Um, but I definitely like to get, you know, different things. I'm trying to, and stuff that's not that different, but like Swiss chard or, um, you know, just whatever local green is is growing and um trying to make that so i feel like we're we're 50 50 on the um on the you know experiments at home but a lot of times as well pat might just go to costco and then fill up with staples that we have the same thing every week then week (laughs) after week has you know you you know you've got a child has that affected your uh, ability to, I mean, first of all, it always affects people's ability to like get out of the house and go to restaurants and that kind of stuff. <laughs> but I was yeah. I'm more curious about like just eating at home. Like we, you know, uh, we've had to adjust. Uh, I, have, I have a one year old and a four year old, and and you know we don't, you know, meals need to be more efficient, and and the time to go try <laughs> something new is there. So has how have you adjusted to? Uh, the new addition while retaining your love of trying, you know, and uh, trying new things and, and, and focusing on cooking? Yeah, I think, you know, we're very fortunate that we have um, jobs where we're able to to spend a lot of time at home and, and with Stanley. So Patrick is still able to get in the, the kitchen and cook and make kind of extravagant meals, I guess, every once in a while while I watch Stanley. And I've been shocked at Stanley, our son, just way of eating. I shouldn't be, I guess, because Patrick and I try everything, but he, I think maybe he hasn't learned, well, he definitely hasn't learned the word no yet, but he, <laughs> anything you put in front of him, if you tell him it's food, it's going in his mouth and he's eating it and he's loving it. So um, it's quite interesting to kind of see the things he eats and how much he just enjoys whatever it is. Like, I think his favorite food is broccoli right now. It's just, it's insane. Oh man, that is a nice uh, that is a nice favorite food to have for a, for a child. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you someone who follows um, like food social media accounts? I was talking to someone recently, uh, you know, a reporter for SB Nation, Charlotte Wilder, and she was confessing to me that she spends hours on like these baking Instagram handles. Yes. So, are you are you kind of a food porn person? And, and if so, where are your go to outlets? I definitely am. Um, you know, Taste Made, uh, the Food Network, those are definitely ones that I follow. And then as well, there's, you know, Instagram people um, like Fit Foodie, who's from Minnesota, where I used to be, or, you know, I'll follow the local um, uh, like foodies that are in whatever city I'm in. And then I follow all the the restaurants as well that I want to go to. It's just Nine times out of ten, if you ask me what I'm looking at on my phone, it's going to be a picture or a video of food. <laughs> Who are the Food Network or the stars of the of the cooking world that you most identify with? Oh, that's a tough question. I would love to meet um, Anthony Bourdain, but I don't think I identify with him. I just think, you know, it's really cool how he's able to try so many different things. and He has this laid back personality. Um but he's not like me. <laughs> <laughs> who uh, then? Who do you like watch? I mean, you mentioned Bourdain, but who else do you either like watching or, or who of like the celebrity set or or the elites are you most desperate to like get to their restaurant or get a meal from them? Oh man, um, that's a good question. I mean, I I always I I really like Anthony Bourdain, but I think he has a restaurant i just want to like right. be able to learn how to cook from him um you know there's 
Rachel Ray. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Now, um, I, I, you know, as you as a, as a world champion, Olympic champion, you know, can't you call up any chef and just be like, come on, <laughs> you know, you owe me, you owe me, like, send me, send me like a Blue Apron style, like, you know, make it myself at the house, but like, hook me up here. Yeah, I would love to. You know, there's um, chefs in, that I remember that were in Minnesota um, who I just, you know, would want to be like, hey, can I come over? And, you know, we can get into your restaurant, no problem. And, and <laughs> just definitely not. Uh, Pat would sometimes call and be like, my wife is an Olympian. No, nothing's <laughs> happening. So uh, no moving the on that. <laughs> so I. Uh- you know, I saw. I, I believe you were you were taste testing recipes for Shalane Flanagan's uh, yep. food project. I've I've worked with Shalane, uh, uh, you know, once or twice over the years on various branded stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of excitement about this. But what was it like to be a taste tester, and how honest can you be with someone that you know in that situation? Oh, I was super honest, um, and I don't know <laughs> if that's just my personality. Um, but you know, I was getting down to the, the nitty gritty of, oh, I think this should be a tablespoon instead of a teaspoon or, you know, whatever. Or, you know, if I was like, oh, this dessert, I don't think it's unhealthy enough. You know, if I want a dessert, I want an <laughs> unhealthy dessert. That's actually what, what friends are for. You should be able to say things you like. And, you know, there's some recipes that I was like, uh, this is the best thing I've ever tasted. Like one of her smoothies that I taste tested, it literally, I've, I won't make a smoothie any other way now because it's just the best smoothie I've ever had. Nice. Well, that that is that's like the ringing endorsement that's going to be on the box cover, you know, or like on the uh, you know on the on the cover. Well, let me close with this. What, what's what's left on your bucket list? Like, what are you most excited to to get to next or or down the line if you if you haven't been in the right region or the right situation? Yeah. So Patrick and I go on an eatcation every year where we literally plan somewhere to go and we have to eat out every single meal and the whole vacation is just planned around eating and I have always wanted to go to to Thailand to do that it's just such Mm. a long trip so um, that's definitely on the bucket list for for me to do what are some of the other ones you've taken and and like were there any memorable moments oh boy yes Uh, I I had the best sushi I ever had in Vancouver Um, oh really Yes, it's like I would go back to that. We have the last day we went there, and I just wish that I could have gone there every single day. Um, <laughs> we did one in San Francisco, which is I learned there's so many different varieties of food in San Francisco, which I just absolutely loved. We had a different genre almost every single meal. Um, we did a couple uh, eatcations where we stayed at home, so we did a couple in the Twin Cities and Portland. So. Um, yeah, it's just been, it's been super fun to do those. And I actually found the ones that we did at home exciting as well, just because it forced us to go to places that have, we have like a running list of places we want to go. And we normally only go out once a week. So when you do this eatcation, you get to hit at least nine places. So, um, it's kind of fun to just do it at home as well, but seeing a new place is pretty exciting. Well, you know what? I we can't thank you enough for joining. Uh, you know, uh, clearly your your passion for food runs deep, and also clearly, uh, never a, a, advice for for the world. Never uh, serve you pancakes when you order waffles. Like that's just no, exactly. Yes, yeah. Rule I will number be very one. Mad. Yes. <laughs> and thank you again, and and you know, best of luck uh, with with all the you know all the training moving forward, and and more, specifically more best of luck. Uh, you know, with, with with your son, that's really exciting. Thank you. He's such a blast. Yeah.
Life's just one big jump shot. You're either on or you might be off. So try to maintain and refrain from the strain. And don't get lost in the sauce. Life's just one big jump shot. You're either on or you might be off. So try to maintain and refrain from the strain. And don't get lost in the sauce. And we are back in the sports world. Athletes, coaches, media, they find things they love. And then we tell them, stop loving that. Get back to watching film. That is ridiculous. Life is just work and the things that distract us from work. So on this show, we celebrate distractions every week by talking about the things that are distracting us. And this week, we all had kind of the same distraction, which is that Andre the Giant documentary. We all got a chance to watch it. As you look, we not to be all douchey about it, but we we don't talk about it. But Gareth Hughes, our co-host here, once won the Emmy uh, for best documentary feature in sports, uh, beating Thirty for Thirty in its first year. Uh, which I don't give as a as a knock on Thirty for Thirty. Thirty for Thirty is amazing, but I, to give you the quality, Gareth wasn't in that like uh, uh, you know that like. Uh, draft without Shaq you know what I mean like he wasn't in the, the one where Toronto drafted the guy uh from from nowhere so we, we like documentaries in sports on both a thematic and a technical level and so we thought it'd be fun to just break down our thoughts I, and I want to start with Gareth because you you live in a documentary making environment and I feel like when you when you make the stuff, you you react to it and evaluate it in a different way. So let me ask you this very, I would say, pointed question, which is, did you enjoy watching this, or are you always just looking at how it was made? That's you know, look. That's a great question, um, and I love that you asked it because. This was a doc, this doc was so well done that I enjoyed watching it and turned off most of my critical faculties. I thought the pace of this thing was awesome and it flew. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it did not slow down from the beginning to the end. There were no breaks and title cards or anything like that. The thing just like felt like a wrestling special. Like it came in and you just you powered through. I thought the amount of intelligent con it, it also accepted that wrestling was a sport and important and entertainment like uh, at face value. It didn't try to convince you of that. Like wrestling historian is presented matter of factly, you know, um, the only production note I have, and then I'll turn it up. I'll, I'll move along. Cause I don't want to, you know, hit on everything. The only production note I have that seems strange to me, and I, I know the director, we've worked in a lot of the same facilities. We've talked a lot. Uh, I sent him a congratulatory note and I told him, I think he reset the bar for sports stocks, a, a, a genre that had kind of gotten into a rut. Um, the constant use of music, I, I felt like was a clear choice, but there's basically music from the beginning to the end. And I thought that hmm. was interesting. A choice. Um, I hadn't heard anything like that in a while. Um, and so that seemed a little strange to me. But it was, I don't want to say like it's a quibble. It's like it's clearly something they were doing on purpose. And so you have to, at a certain point, accept that these people are artists or creative decision makers and they made this decision for a reason. 
Adam, as a wrestling fan, uh, did you think they captured Andre in a in a way that felt new and different, or did you feel like this was ultimately stylistic but familiar? Yeah, I guess I always thought as of Andre the Giant as the rival to Hulk Hogan, and not the reason that Hulk Hogan existed. So to see the history all the way back from Andre the Giant's hometown in France. Um, and then his evolution and really him endorsing Hulk Hogan as the champion um, as wrestling became more and more mainstream. That was not a narrative or timeline that I was familiar with. Uh, So I enjoyed that aspect. This was, there's been two great wrestling documentaries in the last year, Andre the Giant and then the 30 for 30 on Ric Flair, both his career and the extraordinary struggles and heartbreak uh, in his personal life, which seems to be the theme for a a lot of professional wrestlers, unfortunately. Um, I don't know which one is better, but I really think those two documentaries combined give you an inside look at uh, just how hard these guys work, but also how much they suffer. It's hard for me because, again, in the industry, I like listened to the Simmons podcast about it, and so I had a greater appreciation for all the heavy lift, you know, like just the just the work that goes into getting that sixty minutes piece with him and that other stuff. I think it was very technically well done. I mean, that's like looking for archival footage is insane. Like that's a full time job for somebody on that staff, and then just licensing stuff. Like licensing is the worst shit imaginable because you you can see what somebody has on youtube and just be like hey 60 send me that uh no submit it and then we'll send a screener copy and then you tell us what you want and then we'll send you the finished stuff right but we can't tell you what you want unless you send it to us and we can cut with it well we can't do that until you like it's just it's maddening it's the worst shit ever like not to get too inside baseball but when we went when we were at the peabody ceremony last year i talked to the oj crew and they were like that woman is a producer on oj and her entire job was archival footage i wish i remembered her name right now and somebody looked at it and they said this is the best organized documentary i've ever seen and it is for a six and a half hour doc not a 90 minute piece they were like that stuff is crazy stupid difficult so, sorry to rant. Gareth, let me ask you this. You and I are not as big wrestling fans as Adam is, but like what about this documentary like about his wrestling experience actually spoke to you the most? I watched this whole thing and I thought to myself like I don't think he's that complex a person, which I don't want to sound like a dick, but what I mean is like I think that he experienced all of the same doubts and frustrations with life that a lot of people do, especially people that reach a certain height. The most, like, and I'm glad they put his daughter early in the film and kind of got that out of the way because it made sense. Like, he's a big guy. He's going to make his living as a wrestler. Like, he doesn't want that to be, her to be a part of that. The thing that had the most, and, like, he struggled with his size while he loved it. I'm like, yeah, that makes, yeah, got it. Understood, understood. The thing that they presented at the end of the film, spoiler alert, as one of his great sort of tragic moments and the moments that left him most confused. And I think that it was one of the ones that revealed most about him as a character and a person was the fact that the Andre, the giant that we all knew growing up as a heel, 
he hated that. And he was used to being adored by crowds. And he didn't like that the end of his career, when he was known by more people than ever before, and he was selling out the Pontiac Silverdome at 90,000 people, and it was broadcast on pay-per-view all around the world, he was the bad guy. And that hurt him. And that, to me, was the single most fascinating that was the most insightful part of who he was. And it was presented that way. And I loved it. I thought it was one of the best successes of the whole film. Well, coming where it did to me, that's like LeBron, right? Like LeBron, his whole career, there's only a certain number of athletes that get to attain the level of being cheered in the visitor arena. That's Jordan, right? Like Jordan in the nineties was like a people cheered in Milwaukee for him. LeBron was kind of going there. And then when he went to the Heat that first year and they were mercilessly booed, Mm -hmm. I think there was a psychological impact on him. And people can say, you know, this is armchair psychology, you're being Skip Bayless. But there's a lot of people around him who have, Chris Bosh, other people who have hinted in in interviews that that was tough. And I I don't think we should discount that for wrestlers either. Like when you have a storyline that makes you the villain, uh, you're you're being showered with villainy by arenas of people, and that must suck. And I only know that feeling because I'm so bad at my job, and like I get that all the time. <laughs> you are not, Adam. You're the uh, best. A- you the best. But here's the interesting thing. I think that Andre's character really led to an era in wrestling where there became blurred lines between what a hero and a heel is. If you look at NWO, those guys were all bad boys and bad guys in the sense that Hollywood Hulk was a heel and celebrated as much as anyone in the arena. Stone Cold Steve Austin, not a good guy by uh, classic WWE standards. So that transformation, yes, I think... It was probably tough on him personally, but the transformation that wrestling took following his retirement and death was was really interesting. I think he can take a lot of credit for that, whether he he knows he did that or not. All right. It was a great documentary. Uh, Let's give credit where credit's due. Gareth, uh, uh, who deserves credit on this one? Uh, Congratulations to Jason Hare, uh, who directed it. Um, Tom Sukas and John Roche, who shot it. Tom was the director of photography. John Roche, a uh, close friend, also shot a lot on it. Morgan Worth, Bob Ryan, Evil Harris for editing it. You guys all did a great job. Congratulations to Jason and everyone on the team. Okay, that is the show. Let's end with some shout-outs. First, shout-out to Gwen Jorgensen, a- a- amazing athlete, um, even more amazing foodie. Thank you for sharing your stories with us. Thank you for loving sauces. Uh, and instead of us ending with our regular shout-outs, let's end with a supplemental draft to our WWE uh, pop culture draft. Three more picks, one from each of us. Who is left on the big board that you want to get? Gareth, you are up first. Uh, with in First pick in the supplemental draft, I am taking George the Animal Steel in Tim Burton's Ed Wood. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This is tough because I'm going to go ahead and God, this is really tough. There's there's like three on the board that are like really right there on the board. Um, 
I'm going to go Macho Man in the Slim Jim commercials. I, I, like, Gareth, hey, real quick, let me ask you a question. Can you name uh, one rock line in your number one pick movie, Fast and the Furious uh, 5? I've never seen any of the Fast and the Furious movies. What? But they made- uh, what did Macho Man Randy Savage say at the end of every Slim Jim commercial? Oh, yeah, step into a Slim Jim. <laughs> Done. One. <laughs> Wait, wait, you've never seen any of the Fast and Furious movies? That's correct. I've never seen any of them. When they came out, I thought it was a cheap Gone in 60 Seconds knockoff. And then by the time they got big, I moved on to other stuff. (laughs) Hey, Adam, Adam, it's cool. The Blazers didn't didn't get around to looking at Greg Oden's knees either. Oh. Right, you're talking about a, a film franchise that's the number one in the world, made billions of dollars, and has made Dwayne the Rock Johnson the biggest movie star on the planet. Like, it's a pretty safe overall number one pick. Gareth, I, I totally agree. What's the Rock's name in that movie? Everyone else knows but me. I'm the <laughs> owner who just says, "All right, you guys said he's the guy. I'll draft him." <laughs> You need an owner that gets out of the way. You don't want to be the guy taking Johnny Manziel, all right? Oh, Jesus. I don't know, man. <laughs> Sounds like you did. All right, uh, Adam, your final pick. Close out the supplemental draft. <laughs> Hold on. I need to uh, I need to catch my breath. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Uh, I'm going with Mike the Miz Mizan, who went from... The real world, Great where he, uh, in some episodes, acted as if he was a professional wrestler. Great pick. And then he he graduated from the real world to actually become a WWE wrestler and world champion. It's one of wow. the all, it's one of the all time champion. comeback stories ever in American life. He was on the real world and was being portrayed in the moment as the racist hick from Ohio, which you know Gareth and I can relate to as being like hicks from Ohio who are not racist. And then he rebounded, right. won back everyone's trust, and said, I'm going to create The Miz and be WWE champion. And everyone laughed, and then he, like, did it. It's insane. Like, it's really insane. I just have to point out that none of us picked John Cena for anything. Another incredible happening in this draft that we've gotten through 15 wrestlers or 15 picks. And nobody touched John Cena. Yeah, I I came close on Trainwreck, but you guys kept leaving me my board, man. Like I, I came close on Captain Lou Albano for the Cindy Lauper song, Alex Karras for Blazing Saddles, uh, China for Real Life. Captain Lou Albano came up for an NRPQ album for me. <laughs> Macho Man and Spider Man. Um, look, the Body Ventura did not get drafted for Predator. And uh, Nathan Jones in Mad Max Fury Road, man. Like, there's a lot out there that's good. Uh, I guess, I guess we should have gone. Uh, we should have gone the the full five hours, like uh, Adam suggested. <laughs> that's on me, guys. That's on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is our show. Adam, end us with some last final shout outs. 
Uh, well, I first want to shout out to Adam Rank for helping me with my draft. Thanks, Adam Rank. Uh, and finally, my boy Uzi, Def Jeff, Lil Swanee, Meech, Ron Mack, and my other cousin Ron. And in the immortal words of Shaquille O'Neal, booty rappers, stay booty. Stay booty.